Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, it is another Saturday in CCO land, and we're going to talk officially lawns and gardens this morning. As you've been hearing us, possibly uh, Julie and I talking the last couple of weeks, that uh, a couple of folks that we've worked with are returning, have returned to the CCO studio. Kate Netwall, Master Gardener, is with us. Kate, good to see you again. Good to see you, too. And uh, the turf guru, we call him that. He's the turf grass management guy. You're our turf guy. Turf guy, yeah. yeah. I can handle that. Sam, Sam doesn't say that on your business card. <laughs> it does not, no. <laughs> but Sam Bauer is with us. So uh, Sam knows his stuff when it comes to lawns, to, to, to turf. So uh, m- maybe some folks are seeing their lawn for the first time with some of this melting going on. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I haven't seen it it's yet. Been, yeah, every winter we say it's you know just more of a funny winter, right? But we yeah. had an open late uh, fall there. That's true. You know, November, December, and then January, February have been pretty snowy, actually. I think I was looking at some of the the data there were about eight inches of additional snowfall for February. So, yeah, yeah, I believe it. So, it, but again, as uh, our listeners certainly are welcome to uh, ask, and you know yourself, uh, Sam. I think we saw you were at the state fair last time. That was yes, that was the last time that I saw you, Denny. But we can talk lawns today, and and uh, any other kind of gardening uh, gardening question with uh, Kate. So we've got some good uh, brain power here in the studio. Let me uh, open up the phone lines. And uh, text lines. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now is your chance. And uh, Sam and Kate, by the way, will be here again next week. Just a little heads up there. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. And we got a text, guys, that came in earlier. Uh, Is there a, quote, best type of manure for a vegetable garden or a a type uh, not to use for a vegetable garden? What do you think, Kate? Well, I think uh, if you think about uh, farm animals in particular, uh, horse, cow, yeah. uh, even chicken manure, but the, the trick is that it's well-aged. You don't want to use anything that's fresh or it would be you know, too hot and would actually oh, okay. burn the garden. So when, when she says aged, that, that's you know, the, really the composting process. And for most manures, that might be anywhere from four to six months it might take to compost it. Oh, it could take that long. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of typical. Uh, Sam, what, what can we start at least thinking about if we haven't actually physically seen our, our lawns yet? What can we start thinking about doing? Because I know we're going to get questions about pre-emergent and all this. Who knows yeah. What. yeah. So, you know, early March here, we definitely can start thinking about lawn care, but it's way too early to really to really get anything out there and do anything, you know. Um, but, you know, pre-emergent uh, herbicide applications for crabgrass would usually be late April or early May, for example, on a, in a normal spring, you know. Um, um, it's hard to predict normal anymore, oh, yeah, I suppose. But, um, uh, yeah, pre-emergence for crabgrass are the are the big one, and usually you might have some fertilizer in with that as well. But um, you know, I often uh, have a tendency to tell people not to get out there too soon with the mowers and the the you know dethatchers. Um, Especially, you, can, you always say you guys don't, if the, if the lawn is still kind of. Squishy. If the lawn is is really soft and yeah. it, and the grass is dormant, I think quite often I see more people uh, see people doing more harm than good with yeah. that type of equipment too early in the spring. You bet. 
Now, Kate, you're a master gardener. How long have you been a master gardener? I've been a master gardener for 11 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, the time goes by really Whatever quickly. got you interested in that? <laughs> You've always been interested in gardening. You know, I've always been interested in it, and um, I work as a, as a garden. I have a garden service that um, I've been doing for over 20 years, oh. and uh, joining the Master Gardener program was just kind of a way to, for me to give back um, to the community. Uh, the Master Gardener program is uh, a program of trained volunteers, so... We receive a lot of education from the university on um, uh, various things from aphids to zoysia grass, I always say, and A to Z, (laughs) and then some. Um, And so our job is to go out and and extend that knowledge and, and share with the community. Very good. And Sam, for those that, that, that aren't familiar with you or haven't heard you for a while, you, you're with the University of Minnesota Extension, right? Yeah. And you, you get to travel all over to different golf courses and everything, don't you? I do. Yeah, I probably spend 50% of my time on golf course, wow. whether it's consulting or research. Um, and, and, and most of that is in the state here. Oh, it is. Um, but we have a great outreach program um, led, led by the Minnesota Golf Course Superintendents Association. And so we split the state up into five different um, regions, and we traveled each one of the regions. All, kind of all winter long, and it's really a fun, fun program. You know, we should, we always like to do every Saturday is to mention the University of Minnesota website, the, the Extension website. What is that? It's um, extension.umn.edu. That's great, just for winter, spring reading. I mean, it's a great resource. Right. For what what have you be looking for? Yeah, on the garden tab there, we have everything yeah. from uh, we have a turf grass management page on there. Um, you know, we have the, the, our yard and garden pages, and um, what I really like about the web page, especially related to this show here, is um, we have some tools on there that help solve problems. So, what insect is this if you're dealing with insects, or what weed is this if you're dealing with a particular weed? Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of neat information. We'll there. mention that, as we always like to do from time to time. Uh, 651-989-9226. Let's go to Shelly. It's calling from Woodbury. Shelly, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hey, good morning, all. I have a uh, turf question already. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about um, heading up to the cabin, and <laughs> probably not soon, but um, just about maybe 90 miles north of here. But turf in sandy, pretty shady soil. We just have not had any luck. Uh, we've been there for years, and the soil, we seem to be able to, to grow grass, but not hang on to it year to year. So, um, And just a lot of conflicting opinions about how to do that, and some say it just can't be done. Yeah, um, you know, actually, well, it, can, it certainly can be done. Um, so the, the sand is nice. We actually build, like, golf putting greens and athletic fields out of sand because it's really nice because it drains really well. But we just need to think a little bit differently about the grass species that you're using in that situation. So, I, you know, I don't think Kentucky bluegrass or perennial ryegrass will be the best ones. Um, in my mind, you really have two options, and that would be, you know, the category of, of fine fescues, which are really drought tolerant. They'll get a really nice deep root system in, in sandy soil. Um, and then the, the benefit with the fine fescues, you don't have to mow them very often either. So that's really nice. Uh, a good shade tolerance with all of the fescues as well. Uh, the other option is tall fescue, which is a little bit more of a, just a little bit more wider uh, texture, a little you know more coarse leaf blade. Um, it grows about the same as Kentucky bluegrass, but in sand, uh, it'll get really deep root system, and um, you'll have to mow it you know about the same as a, a standard lawn. But it's a really good drought tolerant, shade tolerant option. So I think there's some good potential there, and I would you know definitely think about fertilizing it once or twice per year, but you know, with the right grass species in, in if it's not too heavy shade, I think practically you should be able to get something that'll that'll survive. So there. without seeing it, you think it's doable then? 
it sounds doable. I mean, there's yeah. some level of shade that really nothing will grow right. underneath, right? But sandy soil um, is is a good thing in most cases. You'll want to um, get out the hose and the you know and the, the oscillating sprinklers or the portable sprinklers uh, to germinate the grass seed for that first you know week or two weeks. But once it's up and going, it should be hands off. You know, depending on what what Mother Nature is doing for us, I suppose. Good luck with that, Shelley. Thanks for the call. Shelley leaves that line open at six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six. Talking lawns and gardens on CCO Smart Garden Show. By the way, brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about that great CCO company in uh, just a moment. But uh, Texter says this, Kate. When should I start my tomato seeds for planting? When do you think? Oh well, tomato seeds have a a, a long um, season, so I would think that would be a good time to start them now. Um, and in fact, there's lots of seed catalogs out there. And I was just peeking at the website, the umn.edu, mm-hmm. um, and there is a great publication on there on decoding seed catalogs because uh, the seed catalogs have a lot of information about how a plant grows and, and might give you some good tips on choosing the right varieties. Oh, great idea. Good. Uh, there's a t- folks are getting anxious to work in their lawns. I can tell the texts are yeah. flying in here. <laughs> can I can I fertilize now over the snow so when it melts it'll go into the grass? Now uh, there's somebody who wants to get outside. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna say no to that. I'm gonna say absolutely not. <laughs> you do, uh, definitely don't want to fertilize on snow, and I would even wait you know quite a bit longer than that. So you know just in, in regards to lawn fertilization. You want to be sure your grass is growing so that it has the ability to take up the nutrients. Otherwise, environmentally, the the loss could be quite quite great from yeah. the fertilizer there. I'm most concerned uh, with the nitrogen. Uh, we usually use phosphorus-free fertilizers, but in some cases there might be phosphorus in there. But nitrogen um, applications when the grass is really not growing would be a bad thing. Okay. Tell you what, let's take a quick break. I want to mention the, there's a line open if you have a lawn or garden question. Uh, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. In the Twin Cities, 36 degrees now. We might hit 50 later today. If you think it's expensive to buy outdoor furniture, wait until you have to buy it more than once. I want to talk about that CCO land company called Buy the Yard. This is the furniture you buy at once. You just keep adding to it. Uh, it's it, It's got a 35, listen to this, 35-year guarantee. And again, it's a CCO Land family-run business, best warranty in the business. It's guaranteed not to crack, to splinter, or peel for 35 years. And if you've got a patio, a deck, uh, maybe a fire pit or a lake home, let's face it, you need some good outdoor furniture. And with over 50 tables, they've got eight different dining chair styles, nine classic colors, I'm going to give you phone numbers toll-free. You can visit their showroom, a quick drive down 169 in Jordan, Minnesota. Very, very fast drive. They'll help you decide which style works best in your place. A lot of great ideas there. You can get on the web, if you like, bytheyard.net, but call this toll-free number. Get that new color catalog, 877-220-0448. That's 877-220-0448. Patio Furniture from By the Yard. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show here on 830WCCO. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Kate Netwall and the turf expert Sam Bauer has returned. They both have returned to our studio helping us out, helping you out by phone and by text. Let me give you a number. There is one line open, 651-989-9226, or the text is 81807. You guys see we have a lot of text messages we can get to. But Sandy is calling from Apple Valley, I believe, with a question. 
How can we help you, Sandy? Uh, good morning. I've got a couple of really tall blue spruce trees, and I was wondering when I could trim the lower branches that are growing in the neighbor's yards. So uh, are you interested in pruning them because they're outside of the bounds of your yard? Yes. Okay. So the best time, actually, to prune them, you can just cut them back to what your boundaries are, but... Um, you have to be concerned about the overall shape of the tree um, because you don't want to just trim it on one side and, you know, give it a good shape. But now would be a good time to actually go oh, out there. So now it would be. Yeah. All right, there you go, Sandy. Uh, let's see, 651-989-9226. Texter says, is there a type of bug killer that I can spray around the outside of the house that will keep bugs out of my house and not hurt the lawn? Yeah, I, n- none of the insecticides would hurt the lawn at all. So I would just go to you know even any of your standard big box stores and 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 get some of those insect killers. Permethrin would probably be a big one there. Um, I suppose Carbro might be another another big one. But no concerns with any of the insecticides to um, hurt the grass to hurt your grass at all, right? And you can spray a perimeter around your house, and it it should do a pretty good job. You might want to repeat that monthly or so. Probably. Uh, yep. Uh, Texter says White Bear Lake and surrounding areas are experiencing a water shortage and possible watering ban. What's the best way, Texter says, to have a healthy lawn but conserve water and use as little water on the lawn as possible? Yeah, this is a um, really interesting topic, actually, the whole water use on lawns. If anybody's ever heard me on the radio show here before, it's a really passionate topic of mine. So um, we have a lot of great resources on our website. The one that Kate gave out, uh, the extension website, has some great stuff there. But the other one I'm going to direct listeners to is um, is our Turfgrass Science website. So it's turf.umn.edu. Um, and there's a there's a great video, a little six minute video on there that um, we produced in collaboration with the Metropolitan Council, and it talks about smart irrigation controllers. It talks about the drought tolerant grasses. Talks about adjusting your sprinklers so they're not watering impervious surfaces, for example. Uh, it talks about raising your mowing height is a really an, another really good uh, practical option for trying to reduce water use in lawns. So. I think if you can find that video on our, our the first page of our website there, turf.umn.edu, uh, there'll be some great tips in there for you. Okay, good. Texter says, uh, going to prune apple trees today. Is there a mixture to apply to prune the tool to prevent transfer of potential disease from branch to branch or tree to tree? So how do you... Uh, Use some antiseptic for the tools you use. Right. So you're talking about cleaning the tools between the different cuts so that you're not spreading disease. Yeah. And uh, the recommendation is, is a 10 to 1 solution of bleach for that um, to keep your tools clean. Uh, and that's that's something that you can use, on, and can and should use on all of your pruning tools on a regular basis to keep them free of disease. Very good. Let's go back to the phones. Lois in New Hope has been waiting. Lois, so we're listening. How can we help you? I have a question, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it right. It's ranoculus. Um, I'm thinking it's a tropical plant, but I have I have seen seeds for it, and I'm just wondering if I could start the seeds at home, and then when they're ready to plant, and I have a um, upper tier on my garden, and it gets the sun all um, all day. I wonder if I possibly uh, could do it that way because they are just beautiful. They are so colorful. Yeah, that's a great plant, that ranunculus. Um, and I, I think it's it's got, actually got like a little bulb or a corm rather than a seed that you plant. And um, you could certainly start them indoors now and, and transfer them outside. Uh, and you said your garden has an upper tier to it. 
Um, so it it may or may not be something that will come back year to year because if it's in an upper tier, that ground might actually freeze more so um, than if it were deeper in the ground. Um, but they're a beautiful plant and come in lots of colors, so have fun with that. We always, as you guys know, have have fun with the term Creeping Charlie because we, we, we should maybe award a prize to somebody who brings it up on every show, first, first brings it up. But a texter sent this in a bit ago. Why don't golf courses get Creeping Charlie? What are they doing? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, one of the biggest reasons that Creeping Charlie invades home lawns is because, you know, um, it could be an environment thing um, or, um, you know, the wrong grass species for the wrong wrong place, for example. But quite simply, the reason Creeping Charlie is such an issue because it's an opportunist. So when the grass is not very healthy, then Creeping Charlie, especially in shade and heavy, you know, um, wet, wet environments, um, Creeping Charlie will kind of take over. From a golf course standpoint, I think, you know, they do a lot of really good maintenance practices, aerating and proper fertilizing and proper watering and things like that. Um, And in turn, their grass is very, very healthy. So there's not much of an opportunity for Creeping Charlie to come in and and, and take over. Uh, But, yeah, interesting question there. Um, And also there was a follow-up, as you can see, Sam uh, and Kate. Uh, Where did that – do we know where that term came from? Creeping Charlie? I don't think we've ever had that question. Before. It looks like they're looking for somebody to blame. Um, here, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Actually, um, the more accurate uh, term for Creeping Charlie would be ground ivy. Is is oh is, yeah yeah um, uh, a couple different names there. But ground did people ivy is, years ago pl- used to plant it? I on, have on heard, purpose. I've, I mean? I've heard stories of people who got it from a garden center once upon a time and planted it and. And, you know, it's it's a plant that has a purpose. If there's an area you don't want to mow and it's in the deep shade, it ke- it's, it's a low ground cover that requires no maintenance. It'll help you out in that department. <laughs> I'm not sure. quite there yet, Kate, but yeah. we'll get there maybe. Okay. Well, I tell you, it's it's good food for the bees early on, and it smells great. Sure. Right. Yeah, it's a little mint, mint, uh, mint. smell. It has yeah. a member yeah. of the mint family. That's right. Guys, we have to take a quick break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so hang in there. Uh, 651-989-9226. We'll get back to the phones. Text number is 81807. It's a Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO. Danny Long here. Kate Netwall, Master Gardener, is with us in studio along with uh, our turf expert and the former Sam Bauer. So we have a true lawn and garden uh, folks here to to answer those questions. And as you can see, guys, we have a lot of both, uh, both phones and uh, text message. Uh, This uh, portion, well, actually every week, our good friends down near Jordan, Minnesota, that make the best furniture in the world, outdoor furniture, by the yard, they sponsor this show. We thank them for that. By the yard. What is, uh, where's the maple tree question? Do-do-do. Is it too late to prune my maple tree? What do you guys think of that? Well, right now the sap is flowing in the maple trees. And so it's a good time to do tapping of maple, birch. Oh, yeah. yeah, even box elder trees. You can can do the tapping there. Um, but it uh, there also are not a lot of uh, disease and bug vectors happening right now. So certainly if... The, the limbs that you need to are in harm's way or somebody could be injured by them, then definitely take them down. But you're gonna, just going to have a lot of extra sap. Okay. Making me hungry for some pancakes or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be- Becky, <laughs> Becky is calling from Coon Rapids. Becky, you're on CCO. Thank you. Yes, good morning. While biking last fall, 
I noticed a lot of vines along chain link fences that border um, highways and roads, and and this vine would have a small round round pod, um, prickly pod, and when I opened it up, it had black seeds like um, watermelon seeds. And I'm wondering if you know what this vine is, and if I might be able to plant those seeds here. Oh, it doesn't ring a bell to me, Becky. Um, I don't know if Kate. Yeah, where where did you say you saw it? Is just I see it often on chain link fences growing wild and and areas alongside of highways. Yeah. Um, Julie's probably listening in and going, "This is what it is." Right. So, right. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the things I see wildly growing, like a woodbine or a grape leaf, but I don't recognize the fruit pod that you're talking about. Yeah, that's kind of a distinguishing thing to have this little green, you know, green pod and then it turns brown and then inside of it it's real prickly and then inside of it has the black seeds. Right. But if it's growing wildly, then there's a good chance that it might grow in your, you know, you might be able to propagate it. Um, But again, if it's growing wildly, uh, you might want to make a note to if you do plant it and have success with it, then you might have a containment issue. Right, mm. exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. but most likely there would be some information on our extension website. Um, Give us that website again. It's extension.umn.edu, and there's a garden tab there, uh, and just a lot of great information on there. Um, if you're really getting stumped, you can certainly reach out to a uh, master gardener or to uh, one of us educators. Could as Becky well. send a picture, a digital picture? Oh, oh, absolutely. That would, that would yeah. be great. Yeah. yeah. Ask yeah. a master, master gardener. There's a link right on their website there. Right. A picture of the fruit and the leaf, as much information as you can provide. There you go, Becky. We'll mention that again that website as we move through the rest of the show. Uh, Pete is calling from Roseville, I believe. Go ahead, Pete. Hi there, folks. Uh, I have a real cute story about Creeping Charlie. Uh, it seems that my grandma, Joe, she fought Creeping Charlie all her life and just hated it. And uh, after she passed, uh, we uh, went to, we were going to go visit uh, her grave at the cemetery. But before we went, uh, I was intrigued by this, what I thought was this beautiful little purple flower. And so I picked a bunch. And then when we got to the cemetery, I I laid it on her grave. And my mom. (laughs) I can see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. My mom just smiled. She didn't say anything. She, she just smiled and thought to herself, poor Joe, she couldn't get rid of it in life, and she can't get rid of it in death. <laughs> oh, Pete, oh, that's, that's a classic. great story, Pete. <laughs> that is a great story. Thanks for taking the time. 651-989-9226. What is, a texter says, a good method of removing lilac bushes this spring? Somebody wants to get rid of the lilacs. Well, it depends on how long they've been there, but if they, you really want to get rid of them, um, I'd recommend cutting them down to you know about a foot or so off the ground, and then um, and then some big heavy digging. You know, some people, depending on how old they are, you might need uh, some something mechanical, a backhoe or a little um, bobcat to help pull them out. Um, Would the timing be after they bloom in the spring here to do that, or? Well, I'm not sure what the what the questioner's intention is. Mm-hmm. If she oh, wants to get rid of them, get then, rid of them completely doesn't matter. then maybe yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, otherwise, you know, sure, why not wait until after they bloom and then 
you know, enjoy that last last blossom of them. Sure. Sam, a texture says, moss is taking over my yard. Help. Yeah. Um, moss, uh, you know, doesn't directly compete with grass. The reason it is there is because the grass is not healthy. So um, we need to think about why the grass isn't healthy. And in the case with moss, it's usually uh, shade is one thing that comes into play. Uh, excessive moisture on the surface, and then certainly soil compaction as well. So I would choose some shade-tolerant grass species like the the fescues. Uh, I would probably aerate the lawn to try to, you know, reduce the moisture on the surface there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the nice thing about moss is it's, you know, it's it's not even very, barely rooted in the soil there. So I usually wouldn't apply a product to get rid of it. You can take a hard tooth rake or whatever, um, and it'll it'll come up and then seed right into that. But you want to improve the site conditions before you go, you know, down this whole process. Otherwise, the moss would just come back in and take over. So aerating, pruning, um, reducing compaction and, and moisture on the surface there. Here's a text that says, love the show, but please explain the purpose of nitrogen and phosphorus. What do those help do yeah. for the lawn? Um, so three main numbers on a fertilizer bag that, you know, we would usually look at. Nitrogen is the first one, phosphorus is the middle one, and then potassium is the last one there. So um, the nitrogen and phosphorus, I mean, they're building blocks of the plant, right? So they're essential, uh, essential mineral nutrients that all plants need to grow. Uh, we have a phosphorus law in Minnesota that's, you know, for lawns that states you can't put phosphorus on your lawn unless you have a soil test indicating a need for it or unless you're establishing a new lawn. But, it, you know, phosphorus is still important for your lawn. The law is just acknowledging that most of our soils are sufficient in phosphorus. Um, they are not sufficient in nitrogen, which is why we have to apply nitrogen on an annual basis to, to um Nitrogen is the nutrient that causes your grass to really grow and green up. Um, so, yeah. All right. Dan's just telling us that we've been having a, a multiple calls suggesting that vine, the yes. previous call, might be wild cucumber. Ah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does, especially when you think of the fruit. Okay. Very good. Thank you for the call. We have smart listeners. We yes. do. We yes. Thank Absolutely. you for that. We do. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 um, Creeping Charlie again. Our neighbor is very concerned about our weeds getting in her yard and then seeding after Creeping Charlie removal. Um, I guess they want to know the process, right, of, of removing the Creeping Charlie and then seeding? Is yeah, that... best time to get rid of Creeping Charlie would be in the fall of the year. You know, I usually like to look at it. If, if there isn't much grass to preserve in this situation, then I would probably just start over. And in that case, I, I mean, we're u- using a non-selective herbicide probably that would kill all the grass and the Creeping Charlie. I think um, your efforts will be much less if you, if you go down that route. Usually the cutoff would be 50 or 60% Creeping Charlie. I would say, okay, let's start over. Um, but fall of the year is the best time for that, you know, Labor Day or, um, you know, even later into the fall is just fine. And then, um, yep, choose a good seed source and uh, uh, go ahead and try to grow that in. And and, and uh, hopefully it would keep the Creeping Charlie at bay. Before we go back to the phones, uh, speaking of uh, grass seed, we had an earlier text that was talking about the shade. Is there a... Uh, a type of seed that you were, I know you do recommend uh, certain yeah. types of seeds. Yeah. So there are, you know, um, what I would call two categories of options. So if it's, if it's heavy shade and it's average to below average moisture, I would use one of the fine, fe- uh, excuse me, I would use one of the fescues and that includes fine fescue or tall fescue. 
if it's you know really heavy shade and it's wet conditions, then we're looking at some specific bluegrasses actually, which is like rough bluegrass. Um, you'll see the Latin name on a seed label, Poa trivialis, actually, um, and then Sapina bluegrass is another one. I don't like to use those those bluegrasses unless we really have a wet, heavy shade situation that dictates it. I think fescues will accomplish your goals in most cases. All right, let's go back to the phones. Gene in Stillwater has been waiting. Gene, we're all listening here. Yes, I have a. I want to uh, transplant some violets, and I want to know what kind of soil to use. I have some vermiculite and perlite, but it's very, very old, and I also have trouble after I transplant; they die on me. Are, are we talking woodland violets? Uh, no, just violets in the uh, house, in the house, potted oh, so, ones. So, like an African violet. Yes, yes. Um, well, I think you're, you're going to want to, if your vermiculite and your, your other materials are rather old, you might want to uh, invest in some fresh potting soil. Okay. And then plant them in that. There you go. Thank you, Gene. Hope that helped. Uh, yes. <laughs> Julie is listening to the show wherever she is. Wild cucumber vine. Native ah. but big cedar. We're getting uh, very aggressive, she said. How about okay. that? Okay. Doesn't that come from Julie? Isn't that what that says? That is Julie. You bet. <laughs> yep. So, All right. Thanks for listening, Julie. It's amazing because we have a lot of listeners, as you guys know, and Julie knows, uh, online. They could be listening to us virtually anywhere right. at the time. Right. 651-989-9226. We have to take a quick break, guys. Don't go away. We'll uh, be picking up more on your phone calls. Again, 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. We'll have more Smart Garden Show here coming up on CCO 36 degrees right now. And welcome back to CCO Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Kate Netwall, Master Gardener, and our turf expert, Sam Bauer. And they have agreed they're going to be here next week as well, right? I'm not. I, this is fun, Denny. We're getting like the hang this. of this, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's yeah, been it a took while. A little, there's a little learning curve, I suppose. So uh, truly, if you have any kind of a lawn question, any kind of a gardening question, uh, this is your chance today and next week. Not that it always is, but we have some uh, extra help here in the studio. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Uh, Sam, a text came in a bit ago. It says, in the fall, they put a straw blanket over new seeded dirt, should we remove it? In, in most cases, I would leave that. The, the only time where I, I, I like to remove some of the blanket is if it has, like, the, the plastic netting with it. Then usually I would remove that, you know, just shortly after the grass germinates. But most of your straw blankets, uh, they're going to be biodegradable, and, um, and uh, I, I would leave it there. All right, we had a, a question, uh, uh, I guess a chemical question before, if I can find it. Uh, it's about Japanese beetles, and it's about a certain chemical. You see that? Yeah. Some uh, Grub X, because I was inundated, Texter says, with Japanese beetles last year. Will this product harm my pollinator garden? Uh, that's a great question. So the question is on Scott's Grub X product, which you can buy at most of your big box stores or your garden centers. And actually, the concern with the pollinators um, previously related to insecticides has been this category of neonics or the neonicotinoid type of insecticides, of which imidocloprid is is one of the, the bigger ones that we use in the turf industry. Now, with that Scott's Grubex, they actually have changed the active ingredient. So it's no longer imidocloprid. Um, it's it's, it's chloranetranilopril, 
which is um, the the trade name in professional turf industry is acelaprin, um, but it's a it's a very safe, practically non toxic um, active ingredient for pollinators. So um, I think the Scott Scrub X is a, is a good option. Um, I would put that down in the May June timing as a preventative for Japanese beetle grubs. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I collect, Texter says, my grass clippings almost always. Do I need to rake or dethatch every, every spring? I hate raking. Well, first of all, I would say don't collect your grass clippings, right? I mean, grass clippings um, are 85% water, and the rest is mostly mineral nutrients, right? So nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. They're about 3.5% nitrogen, actually. So um, they break down really quickly. They do not contribute to a thatch layer in lawns at all. Um, so I like to return them. Uh, to the lawn, and, and we usually give you a, 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 a one fertilizer application per year credit if you don't remove the clippings. When you constantly remove them, then you're just mining the nutrients from the soil. Um, so I like to, to leave them where they're at. Um, I rarely see actual thatch issues in lawns. I think the dethatching concept in the spring is overemphasized. Hmm, interesting. But I do like the idea of aeration, though. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of aeration, especially in the fall. All right, Texter says we get red thread every year. How can we get rid of it? Kill grass and start over? Seems to be the fescue grass. What's that? That's a good question, yeah. Um, so red thread is actually a fungus um, that, re- you know, spring and fall, we might see it sometimes in the cooler times of year, but um, I would not recommend to spray a fungicide for a home lawn to control red thread. Usually I feel that it, it's a nutrient issue, so it's a, it's particularly it's a low nitrogen disease. So, you know, just be sure that you're, um, you're on a, a, a decent nitrogen program with two or three applications of fertilizer per year. Um, and you might want to do a soil test, I think, as well. Um, grass species could come into play here. There are some that are more resistant to red thread than others, so... Um, uh, we, you know, we could certainly have that conversation at some point, but, um, yep, it's a very common disease and usually we consider it a low, low nutrient disease. Who would want, and of course this is a little early now, to get a, a, a soil test. I know the university does that, but when is it, and why would you have a soil test? Well, you want to have a soil test done so you understand uh, what that medium is in your yard and, or your garden, and it will give you some indications as to what you you have as well as what you might need to add to your soil mm-hmm. if you're going to grow blueberries are you growing carrots are you growing turf are you growing apple trees so all those different kinds of crops or plants need different things and the soil test will indicate to you what you might need to do to improve your soil for those plants our testing laboratory is actually right on the St. Paul campus. The regular soil tests are just seventeen dollars, um, so and they give you quite a you know a lot of great descriptive information. Uh, you can take the soil test at any time of the year as long as the soil isn't frozen. So, oh, okay. um, just keep in mind they really get quite a few samples in the spring of the year. Um, so, so try to get them in um, you know as soon as you can. Yeah, very good. And before you guys leave, we'll give the website again too for that. Uh that particular great resource. Karen is calling from Edina. Meanwhile, good morning, Karen. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an African violet that is t- at least 25 years old. And it is absolutely or was absolutely gorgeous, blooming every year. The leaves are nice and firm and green, and I've transplanted it, oh, a good six, eight times. Right now it's in a pot that does not have drainage that is uh, about 10 to 12 inches across. And I think about two and a half weeks ago I overwatered it, which I'm very careful 
not to do, but I wasn't. And ever since then, the leaves have been looking not happy. It does have one new bloom on it. And I wonder, I've just not been watering it, hoping it'll dry out and putting it in the sun. Do you have any other suggestions? Yeah, well, first of all, a 25-year-old African violet, good good for you. Um, uh, But regarding your current situation with it, I would empty the pot. I would take it out of its pot because even if it's in the sun, where the moisture is is at the bottom of that pot, and that's where you're at risk of root rot for that plant. And so um, even if you have it in a really nice decorative pot, maybe you want to put it in a plastic pot that has holes in the bottom so you've got good drainage. And then um, when it's time to water, you can actually lift it out of that pot and and, um, put it in a dish of water and and water it up from the bottom and then replace it back into that decorative pot. But particularly with African violets um, and one that you've had for so long, you don't want to mess around with that. So make sure it's got good drainage. Very good. We have a couple of minutes to go. Let's see if if we can help some more folks out text-wise. All right, well, this is a question, Sam, as you know, we get from time to time. How do I get rid of a lumpy lawn? Oh, that is a really good question. And, and um, if you do have a lumpy lawn, I certainly feel for you. Um, it's it's a tough one. So I will say that 90% of the bumpy lawn issues that I deal with are related to earthworms or night crawlers. And when you step on a, a bump and you feel like you're going to twist your ankle, you know, if you look down and at, at what actually that lump is, it, most of the time it would be earthworm castings. So, um, you know, there aren't any earthworms are usually a, a sign of, of healthy soil. So there aren't any products that I would usually recommend for that. But you can rent one of those power rakes um, and set it a little bit deeper in the soil. Um, and I would do it in the fall. But what you're trying to do is level off kind of all of those um, earthworm castings, and then it's going to damage your grass quite a bit, so I would go ahead and overseed into that. But if the lumps are quite large, um, in a lot of cases, there's really not much you can do without, um, you know, regrading the landscape there. But I look to earthworms first. They're usually a sign of a good, healthy soil. And then, um, you know, some people have tried rollers to try to level out the mounds. That might work, but I like the power rake option better. We've got a minute to go. Uh, There's a question. I know we've had questions about problems with black walnut trees as far as growing around that. Well, why, is that why is that an issue with the black walnut? Yeah, the black walnuts have um, this uh, compound that the roots would uh, put out. Um, it's, it, it, you know, it's called allelopathy. It's juggalone, I believe, is the That's compound right. that, that comes out from those. And um, uh, the question here is, is there any grass seed that will grow better around them? Um, it's a good question. I, you know, in general, the black walnuts might deter, you know, most plants in a, in a lot of cases, I suppose. But um, one shot maybe would be uh, try tall fescue, I suppose, uh, in that situation. Right. The, our website, um, extension.umn.edu, has uh, some recommendations on plants that you can put under the um, black walnut tree. So good. you can look that up there. More next week when you guys return. Thanks very much. Good to see you here on CCO. 36 degrees. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.